0: I'm going to invite you to turn with me this morning to, again, the Gospel of Mark, chapter 4. As we continue our study of the life and ministry of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, when He became a man and dwelt among us, uh, we find ourselves at chapter 4. And if you remember last time, we talked about the uh, very interesting, I guess, and somewhat debated or discussed uh, teaching and passage about the unpardonable sin uh, and I don't want us to... You know, there was some discussion about that after the fact, and there were some good questions about that, but I certainly don't want us to get bogged down in things that maybe we don't completely understand. Uh, and to remember, as I said last week, that context is king. And I'm, and I'm going to show you why that I think that, that. That when it comes to interpreting the Bible, that the context should always determine, uh, at least in large part, how we understand uh, the individual passage that we're looking at. And one of the things that you're going to see is that the sort of greater understanding of the passage around the unpardonable sin, that it's really a teaching about who Jesus is and that He's inviting us and leading us to know who He is and to get it and to become a part of His family through that knowledge, right? So that the unpardonable sin is the rejection of that knowledge that's made known to us such that the Holy Spirit is hardened and grieved and is removed from us and our hearts are hardened and there's this twofold sort of uh, situation there where there's no longer repentance, so there can no longer be forgiveness. But what you're going to see is, sort of that greater context about who Jesus is is going to have a huge part on what happens next. In the text And uh, the context preceding and what we've seen up to this point is going to help us in understanding the story this morning. And this is going to be a very familiar story to you. And it's going to begin uh, the, the teachings of Jesus in what we uh, have come to know as parables. Uh, and so we'll, we'll, we'll take a look this morning at Mark chapter 4, beginning in verse uh, 1, and we'll read down through verse 20. Now, I'm a bit concerned. Uh, you may well be. <laughs> uh, it's 10 till 10. And I have you till ten thirty, supposedly. And uh, normally I preach from now until ten thirty, and we're going to have to take communion somewhere in there. And so I have a I have a target, and uh, I have tried to put together a, a somewhat shorter sermon this morning, and we'll see how we'll see how the Lord helps me in accomplishing that goal. But but we definitely want to try to see what the Scripture has to teach us this morning. So before we begin reading in chapter four, verse one, let's pray. Father, thank you again that you've brought us together. But now we need you to open our minds. Lord, as this passage even talks about to open our ears and to give to us that we would hear and know the mystery about the kingdom. God, God help us to see and to understand and to get it. Lord, feed us this morning from the table of your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Mark chapter four, beginning in verse one says, and again. He began to teach by the sea, and a great multitude was gathered to him, so that he got into a boat, and he sat in it on the sea. And the whole multitude was on the land facing the sea. Then he taught them many things by parables, and he said to them in his teaching, Listen, behold, a sower went out to sow. And it happened as he sowed that some seed fell by the wayside, and the birds of the air came and devoured it. Some fell on stony ground where it did not have much earth, and immediately it sprang up because it had no depth of earth. But when the sun was up, it was scorched, and because it had no root, it withered away. And some seed fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it, and it yielded no crop. But other seed fell on good ground and yielded a crop that sprang up, increased and produced, some thirtyfold, some sixty, and some a hundred. And he said to them, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. But when he was alone, those around him with the twelve asked him about the parable. And he said to them, To you it has been given to know the mystery of the kingdom of God. But to those who are outside, all things come in parables, so that seeing they may see and not perceive, and hearing they may hear and not understand, lest they should turn and their sins be forgiven them. And he said to them, Do you not understand this parable? How then will you understand all the parables? The sower sows the word. And these are the ones by the wayside where the word is sown. When they hear, Satan comes immediately and takes away the word that was sown in their hearts. These likewise are the ones sown on stony ground, who, when they hear the word, immediately receive it with gladness, and when they have no root in themselves, and so endure only for a time." Afterward, when tribulation or persecution arises for the Word's sake, immediately they stumble. Now these are the ones sown among thorns. They are the ones who hear the Word and the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches and the desires for other things entering in choke the Word and it becomes unfruitful. But these are the ones sown on good ground. Those who hear the Word accept it and bear fruit, some thirtyfold, some sixty, and some a hundred. So in this passage, I'm going to argue for you this morning that, that Jesus is speaking and teaching about the kingdom of God. Okay? And we've seen this. This is the fundamental teaching of all of Jesus' teaching. Remember his message when he initially came on the scene in the beginning of Mark? Was what? To repent for the kingdom was at hand. So he's very interested in this idea of the kingdom. He did come and teach about forgiveness and he did come and do many miracles and but he did not only do those things, fundamentally those things related somehow to his teaching about the kingdom. And so we need to understand what is the kingdom and what is it that he is talking about. Well, initially we know that he's talking about the kingdom because look, it says and again he began to teach, he was always teaching. It was just a regular method of Jesus's ministry. He was teaching by the sea and a great multitude. Again we've seen this so many times They were gathered to him, and so that he had to get into a boat, and he sat in it on the sea. So the scene is that they're by the sea again, and there's a boat that they have maybe was there, maybe they've prepared, like last time he had told his disciples to prepare a boat because of the crowd. And the multitudes begin to gather again, and he retires onto this boat, and then he's going to use this boat as his pulpit. Right, he's going to stand or sit on this boat, and the people are going to stand on the seashore. They gathered in multitudes to listen to him preach and to speak. And so he's going to begin to teach them. But what one reason we know that he's talking about the kingdom, other than because of his explanation, is because why do you think the Jews were so interested in his teaching? Because they knew all of these prophecies about the kingdom of God that was going to be inaugurated by the Messiah. They were under great oppression by Rome, this earthly kingdom, right? And so the Messiah, in their mind, was to come and to institute and inaugurate the kingdom of God. What is the kingdom of God? Well, both for them and rightly for us, it is... The power of God from heaven breaking into human history to fully restore and redeem every aspect of His creation. So it's, it's the bringing about of the immediate and eternal power and presence of God with people. So there, there's the inauguration of this kingdom. The problem though is that when, when this Messiah came and when this kingdom was inaugurated, the Jews struggled so desperately with it. Why? Why? Because it did not immediately, completely and fully redeem and restore. Right? They expected Jesus to come on the scene. Remember they cried, Hosanna, Hosanna. And, and, and were so excited about His coming that when He came in and He didn't deliver them immediately from the hand of Rome and step on the, the terrible earthly conquerors that were ruling over them, they hated Him. Because they thought that's what the kingdom of God was to be like. They did not understand how the kingdom could come and be inaugurated by a king who would come and suffer and die at the hands of And so they struggled mightily, and it was primarily because of their misunderstandings about the kingdom of God. But so you can understand that the multitudes continue to gather around Jesus because there's this guy who's claiming to be God and claiming to be the Messiah of God's people and is claiming now to be the inaugurator of the kingdom of God among them. They're going to be really interested in what he's doing. Well, and likewise, we're probably fairly interested in that. Um, And so he's speaking about the kingdom of God, but what he teaches us in this passage, I would argue, is that the kingdom of God, unlike the kingdoms of men that come by conquering and by conquest, the kingdom of God comes by hearing, right? That's what he says in this passage, that the kingdom of God comes by hearing, so let's be careful how we hear, right? Right? The kingdom of God comes by hearing, so let's be careful how we hear. I'm going to break this passage then into three very basic, very basic points for us to try to get through quickly. Number one, who is it that hears Jesus? Who is it that hears Jesus? Well, let's fast forward a little bit. Look at verses nine and ten. He gives this parable, right? But there's this sort of intermission. In between the giving of the parable and the explanation of the parable at the end, there's this in-between text about his interaction with his disciples and some others that must have been with them. But look at what he says in verse 9. Immediately after he gives the parable, he makes this really kind of awkward and peculiar statement. And he says to them, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Now, this is one of the most repeated things by Jesus in all of His teaching. He is always telling people, let those that have ears to hear, hear. So, in the question of who is it that hears Jesus, the most basic answer from this text are only those that have ears to hear. Well, now that may seem a little bit odd to you because don't all people, apart from some maybe terrible disease or malformity or uh, maybe... An accident of some sort. Don't all people have ears to hear? Right. Well, certainly we do. And Jesus is not making some uh, redundant commentary about human anatomy. So, what then is He talking about? What does it mean? Let those that have ears to hear hear. Let him who has ears to hear hear what I'm saying. Well, in short, Jesus is encouraging focus, attentiveness, effort in understanding, right? He's encouraging people to listen deeply to the things that he's saying. And what he's saying is that not everyone is willing to listen deeply. So the second question that we're going to get to in just a moment is, why in the world did these hear Jesus and some don't? And that's a really important question. But first, further back to this, who is it that hears Jesus? Now here comes the important part about the context that I gave you last week. Keep in mind the context about the unpardonable sin. What did we see? That there's inappropriate views about Jesus. His family thinks one thing. The scribes and religious leaders think another thing. And then what happens? Jesus Himself gives us a clear and a right view of who He is. And then He invites us to believe in it, and by believing in Him and trusting in Him as He is, to become a part of His family. Right So then in the context of the sort of unpardonable sin, what we see this is that what he's encouraging people is that if you have ears to hear and if you are willing to hear, and if you are able to hear, then you should hear. Why? The unpardonable sin. People are not willing to hear.. What did Hebrews tell us? Remember Hebrews chapter 6. I said the explanation, I believe, of the unpardonable sin. That there have been those who have been made to taste the good word. Do you see that? What does that mean? That they were given ears to hear. What's he saying? Let those that have been given ears to hear, let them listen carefully. Well, Well, what's the problem in the preceding text? that Jesus Himself gave clarification about who He was and invites people to get it, but there were those who had been given by the power of God and by the Holy Spirit through the ministry of the Word. They had been given to understand and to see and to hear who Jesus was, but they simply would not listen. Do you see? So, So that it's reasonable for Jesus to say, if you have got ears to hear, dear people, listen carefully. Very interesting. Tim Keller, uh, I quote to you all the time, one of my favorite preachers. I listen to many of his sermons. I love his work in the Gospel of Mark. He says about this text as he's introducing this sermon to his people listen to this here. Listening, then, is the primary skill of the kingdom of God. Without it, you cannot enter into it, and its power cannot enter into your life. Your ability to sit down and truly listen and hear and perceive is the most important ability. Right? So, what if you were with us last Sunday night, one of the things that we talked about was the food for the local church is the Word of God and the power that the Word of God has, that it's personified as being able to pierce and to change and to restore and to educate It's not to diminish the working of the Holy Spirit. It's not to diminish other areas. I mean, no sermon can touch in every area. But what this passage makes clear, what does he say? That the seed in this text is what? The seed that the sower is sowing is the Word of God. And the problem is that the people, the different soils upon which the seed is sown, it is unable to penetrate. The seed's not getting into the soil. Why? Because they're not listening. The Word of God is being disseminated and God, by His power and His might and according to His plan and His providence, He is giving for people to hear and they're simply not willing to listen. So why then do some hear Jesus and some do not? Well, one other thing before we get there. Think about the implications then. (laughs) If and listening deeply. If listening is the primary skill of the kingdom of God, it is the way by which we enter into the kingdom. We receive a message. We listen and respond and accept and believe a message that is communicated to us. And fundamentally we gain interest in the kingdom that way by believing in the, the source and in the truth of that message. What do you think this means for us about things like corporate worship? Well, it seems to me that it means that one of the things we need to be doing the most of is sitting and listening. And if you go to churches all across America today, the thing that is being being wedged out of their churches all, all across the world is what? Listening. Right? Sermons are getting shorter. We want to sing, which is not listening. We, we want to fellowship and talk with one another, which is not listening, right? We want to pray aloud and we want to be a part of public things. That's not listening. Right? What is listening? It is when God gives a message through the Word and a mouthpiece, His preacher, to the people and they sit attentively, focused, carefully, deeply listening to the Word that's being disseminated to them. And guys, listening is hard. You know why we don't like it? Because it's difficult. Right? We don't read because it's hard. We don't listen because it's hard. We, we can sit and be entertained and watch you know three hours of football that seems to never end. You know, we can come to movies in this theater, right, and listen listen, and watch and be entertained and be attentive and tell you every detail of everything that happens in a two-and-a-half-hour epic film. You know, but can we listen to a lecture? You know, do d- Do we love to go to school and to sit and to learn? No. Because that skill is very difficult and it's the primary skill of the kingdom he argues. And I would say that there are incredible implications for our corporate worship, for our family worship, for the way that we structure our growth in grace. It's part of the reason that we do things the way that we do here. Because we must listen. Listen, this whole parable... Is a commentary or an exposition or an explanation, if you will, about different types of listening and their result. So we're going to see them in a moment. So there are incredible implications. So why do they hear Jesus? Well, let's look at verses eleven and twelve. Eleven and twelve. Well, notice verse ten. But when he was alone, those around him, with the twelve, asked him the parable. It's very interesting that it says that while he was alone, but then that there are a few people with him. What's the point? that He had retired with His most intimate companions. The twelve disciples, those who were true, genuine, believing disciples of the message, and maybe a few more that were genuinely believing with them, that they had retired together. And just as a side note, let me tell you this, the ones who are given to hear are those that draw nigh to Jesus. You know, listen... Let us be careful how we hear because the kingdom of God comes by hearing. Listen, one way to ensure that we can hear God speak is to draw nigh to Him and listen. It's not, it's not a coincidence here that the multitudes are not given to hear, but that those who are intimately with Jesus, they hear and they perceive and they get it. Right. So, so let us draw nigh to Jesus. But why do they hear? Well, first I would argue because... Um, They have ears to hear, right? Uh, They are with Him intimately, deeply. They have drawn nigh to Him. They are willing to put forth the effort, right? To carefully and deeply listen, right? But secondly, look at what it says. It says, because it has been given to them to hear. This is very fascinating. Look at verse 11. And He said to them, to you it has been given to know the mystery of the kingdom of God. Right, so that there seems to be a two-way interface here. On the one hand, they have ears to hear and want to hear. They draw nigh to God to believe in to, to Christ to believe in His message, and they want to sit at His feet and listen deeply and carefully and learn. And then the converse of that is also true: that in return for their desire, for their proximity, for their willingness, their obedience, He gives to them what they cannot on their own get themselves. Why do we pray before we ever read any of the Word of God? Or at least why do I? It's historically in known as a prayer of illumination. It is because, as someone asked me after last Sunday night's message, it is because apart from the Holy Spirit of God and the power of God working in our lives, we can read this all day long and never get it. We must be given to hear and understand. Why can you take the message to people and clearly and accurately lay out the claims of the gospel and the good news about the truth of Jesus and what He's done for them on the cross and they can turn a deaf ear and it doesn't impact them any zilch. It makes no difference in their life. How is that possible? Well, they're not drawing nigh to Him and they're not having ears to hear and He is not giving them to listen. Remember the unpardonable sin. Remember, keep that in the context. What happens, right? We're being given to taste of the good word. But what happens? We're unwilling to listen. We're, we're rejecting the truth that we've been made to see so that there's this aspect that's our responsibility so that we grieve the Holy Spirit such that we are hardening ourselves and He is removing Himself from us. Both and. And it's very fascinating. Why is it that they hear Jesus? Well, it's because they have been given to hear Jesus as a second issue. Now, um, you know, is po- this does pose a huge question. You know? So is Jesus then preventing someone from having an opportunity to repent? I mean, it's fascinating, isn't it? Do you mean to tell me that what Jesus is saying is that He does not give to some? Right, so, But he intentionally, uh, as he says, uh, but to those who are outside, that is outside of the genuine believers that he has there, all things come in parables, so that seeing they may see and not perceive, and hearing they may hear and not understand, lest they should turn and their sins be forgiven them. What in the world does this mean? It's, it's a quote from Isaiah. From the Old Testament, I mean, this is a difficult text. Listen, William Hendrickson, I think, gives the best question. There's a lot of debate about the language. Some people say that it's because and so that. That because they're unwilling to listen, their hearts are hardened, and he doesn't, he hardens them so that they can't turn, right? And some people say it is because he's unwilling to give it to them that they are hardened and that they're unable to turn. It gets really complicated, but listen to this quote. Um, he says this, the true explanation as this author sees it, he's a, he's a famous old commentary writer, biblical theologian, awesome practical guy. Listen to what he says. The true explanation as this author sees it is as follows. Both because... And that are correct. It was because by their own choice the impenitent Pharisees and their followers had refused to see and hear. That as a punishment for this refusal they are now addressed in parables. So that they may see and see but never perceive and hear and hear but never understand. Lest they should turn again and be forgiven. They must endure the blame of their own blindness and hardness. You know, so it's interesting. It's both and. It, it, there are both parts. Our responsibility and God's responsibility. They exist together somehow harmoniously in the mind and in the providence of God. But what we know is that the only people that understand anything about the Gospel and about the nature of the text of Scripture are those that have ears to hear because they've been given to hear. And let me go back to last week's sermon. I thought, the, text, the context is so important. Dear friends, if Jesus has given you to hear... Let him who has ears to hear hear. Let us listen deeply. Let us listen carefully. And as, as the explanation of the parable then tells us, let us accept the message that we hear and believe in it and be changed. Right? There are those that hear Jesus, uh, they hear because they have ears why do they hear Jesus? Well, they hear because it's been given to them to hear. And then just as a side note, let me give you a secondary reason for the parables and why Jesus speaks in parables that's intentionally to prevent some people from understanding. Think about it like this. The Jews, we talked about at the beginning, the very people who were anticipating the coming of the kingdom and of the Messiah, right? they were the very ones who should have understood the message and who should have accepted Him, and they were the ones who refused to hear They have been given ears to hear In God's providence. They are unwilling to hear And his speaking to them in parables So that they are now unable to repent and turn Is what? In part, as a secondary note It is a curse upon their unbelief And it is a testimony That God is then advancing the kingdom Beyond the walls of the Jewish community To all of the nations of the world So it, it clarifies for us The truth of the New Testament reality That the gospel is for every tribe, tongue, and nation Just as a side note Now, how then do people hear Jesus? Who hears Jesus? Why they hear Jesus? Uh, we have talked a little bit about that. And then I'm going to try to go through the actual, just the briefly the, the main tenets, points of the parable. I'm doing really good. Um, the points of the parable, how they hear Jesus. Listen, this is a commentary and explanation on different ways to listen. Different ways to listen. What's the first? The first is that the sower goes out and he sows seed as they always did in that day. And they broadcasted it to and fro, right? And one of the things that happened is that the seed would inevitably, some of the seed would fall in an area where there was no soil at all. Maybe it was hard pan, maybe it had been baked by the sun and turned into like brick type form, Uh, maybe it was some sort of man-made walkway that had been trampled by foot, but it was unpenetrable, completely, made No impact, the seed did, and here's what happens. But in the place where the Word of God falls in the soil of the heart that is too hard and unwilling to listen, immediately the bird, the devil, comes by and snatches the good Word up lest they hear and ever are changed. Right? So what's the first way of hearing Well, he tells us this about how to not hear. It is hearing without hearing at all. It is hearing with a hard heart. Guys, this is so many people in so many churches fall into this first most blatant category. You know how I know? Because we sit in church, and I've done it, I'm guilty of it, and you are guilty of it as well. We sit in churches, and we listen to this preacher pontificating about the gospel, and we're thinking about the saints game that's going to be coming on at 2. And we're wondering how much longer this is going to be because my stomach is grumbling. And we're concerned about the events that happened yesterday. And we're worrying about what kind of week we're going to have and how terrible it's going to be. Or all of the things that are coming in our life. What? what we are so distracted by everything else in our life that we are totally and completely unwilling to listen at all to what is being said. We come to church, we sit in a pew, or in this case a Cinemark movie theater, stadium seat right and we sit and we hear and we do not hear a thing that the person says listen to me This gives new meaning to when the New Testament tells us that the devil is prowling around like a roaring roaring lion seeking whom he may destroy. I want you to get this. Friends, I'm encouraging you and this text is encouraging you to listen deeply. And if you've been given ears to hear, hear what the Word of God says. Why? Because if you're distracted and you're hearing but not hearing, if you're listening but not hearing, if you're just here but you're not engaged in what's taking place on any level at all and the ground of your heart is so hard that the seed cannot penetrate it at all. It will not take but just a second for the devil to walk by and snatch it up, and it'll be gone forever. Do you see that? He is—he is—he is here this morning, and and he is interested. We know by testimony of many in this church about what's going on in our lives since we have begun this this church and this ministry. He is here, and he is interested in what's going on at Redeemer Baptist Church. And let me tell you something: He is very interested in your lack of understanding in the gospel. Your lack of belief in the truth, your lack of acknowledgement and feelings of power and understanding about the kingdom of God in your life. He is interested in those things and if you give him half a chance, he will swoop down and he will scoop up any grain or seed of truth of the word that's been planted on the hard soil of your heart if if you will let him. And and this text is saying there's one way to listen and it's to not listen at all. It's to come and to be here in bodily form and to not be engaged in the message whatsoever. And he says, you, you are flirting with danger because you are providing every opportunity for the devil to scoop up what little bit of truth the word is being given to you. Let us not listen and not hear. The second, the second illustration that he gives is hearing but not understanding or hearing and not perceiving uh, look at what he says he says some fell on stony ground where it did not have much earth so notice the issue in all three of these categories is the soil or the heart it did not have much earth and immediately it sprang up because it had no depth of earth so in this case this is someone who comes and they they maybe listen and they're a little more engaged right and and the soil of their heart is penetrable to some degree but there's very little interest there it's very superficial it's it's only on the surface Right, and the word penetrates, and it has some effect, and they may get excited for a moment, but you know what happens? This is called listening with a shallow heart. One's with a hard heart, this one's with a shallow heart. Listen, what happens? The earth is shallow, and the roots don't go very far, and when the sun comes up and it gets really hot, it bakes it out in no time. Do you see what's happened? That when the heat of struggles and of difficulty and of persecutions arise, the explanation tells us they're gone. It, it, it was only this deep. right? They listened and they, they, they maybe were penetrated a little bit, and they were maybe engaged a little bit, but they never really understood the truth of the gospel that God is not a genie and that Jesus has not come to make all your problems go away. He's come to redeem you from sin and restore, restore you with all of creation. Right? If they had really understood that truth, then what? When the struggles of their life came and when the heat was cranked up, it would not have affected their plants, so to speak. It would not have affected the working and the ministry and the depth of the word of God in their life. Why? Because they did not have their hope in God fixing their problems and turning the heat down. They would have been able to trust in him and withstand the heat so that they listened with a shallow heart. They listened, but they did not understand. Here's the second, uh, I mean, the third one hearing, uh, hearing, but not hearing at all, hearing, but not perceiving or understanding, and hearing without genuinely believing. Now, now this is a very interesting, uh, this is a very interesting. Some have said this is hearing with a divided heart. Right? Ones are the hard heart, ones are the shallow heart, ones of the divided heart. This one is that, that it's cast out, the seed is cast out, and it falls among the thorns. And the thorns they grow and they choke it out, so that it yields no crop. Right? And so the explanation that's given at the end of this text is by Jesus that the desires of this world, right? the deceitfulness of money and their love for worldly things and other things, it chokes out whatever love they had for the Word and the seed that was planted in their life. So that they listen with a divided heart. Right? They hear, but they do not genuinely believe. So that they hear, they even perceive and understand that maybe God's not here to fix all their problems. They may withstand the sun and the heat of persecution for a little while. But you know what happens? They are ultimately led astray By things that they love more. They have a divided heart. Now, people always ask the question about this text. The first two clearly are unbelievers. Is this third group believers or unbelievers? Because the Word has its effect. It grows to some degree. It penetrates their heart. But it's choked out by thorns. i me tell you, we don't know. I would encourage you, as many preachers have about this text, to remember the uh, incredible illustration of the great Charles Spurgeon, right? To remember that you can be on the boat of salvation... And though you cannot fall off of the boat, you can fall in the boat and break every bone in your body and spend the entire trip in the infirmary. Right? Do, you get, do you see what he's saying? You may, you, may, you may be on the boat of salvation, but you're there with a divided heart. Your love is for other things and you're miserable all the way there. I, I don't know. But what I know is, but if we're going to be in the fourth category... Look at what it says in verse 8. But other seed fell on the ground that was good, and it yielded a crop that sprang up, just like in the previous. But look at what happened. It increased and produced some 30-fold and some 60-fold and some a 100. Right, the point of those numbers is to say that it was an incredible production of fruit, of produce. Listen, here, here's what I know, in a general sense about this passage and what it's teaching. That if we're going to be in the last group, if we're going to be soil that is able to be penetrated by the Word of God, so that it is planted deeply in us as a seed that grows roots, that bear fruit, that endures the heat of persecutions, and that is not enticed away by the love of everything else in this world. If that's the way we're going to be characterized, what's he saying? It's going to be because we've been given ears to hear and we used them. The kingdom of God comes by hearing. So let us be careful how we listen. May it not be without hearing at all. May it not be without understanding. And may it certainly not be without genuinely believing. But may we hear the gospel that leads to faith. Let us remember Romans chapter 10 beginning in verses 14 and following up. Maybe I should read that passage to you. I'll just paraphrase. What does he say? He says, "How can they believe?" Right? We're, you're going to see the three things that I said about the hearing represented. How can they believe in whom they have not heard? How can they hear in whom no one has, if they don't have a preacher? Right? What does he say? Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. The kingdom of God comes by hearing, so let us be careful how we hear. Let us so listen and hear and understand the Word that it is planted deeply into the soil of our hearts, that it transforms us from the inside out. Let us take heed how we listen to it, for faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. Let's pray. Father, thank You uh, that You have... uh, Lord, You have given us ears to hear. Lord, You have provided a word... And that seed of the Word is sown into our lives and into our hearts. God, God, we pray this morning that You would help us to have hearts that are like ready, prepared soil to receive it. Lord, that You would take the seed of Your Word by Your power and Your Spirit and that You would plant it deeply into our lives and into our hearts. That, That we would really understand, that we would... Listen deeply to the truth that we find in it. And that we would be brought into the kingdom. That that we would experience the power of God in the kingdom. And though that power is not completely expressed today. Lord, we know that one day it will be. But God, bring us into that kingdom through the power of your word. I pray that you would teach our people to hear. That you would give us ears to hear. That you would teach us to listen. And that as we listen, uh, that You would speak loudly and clearly, that through the ministry and the teaching of Your Word, we would be changed and transformed for eternity. God, help us to believe the truth of the message that we hear. In Jesus' precious and holy name we pray. Amen.